cliffcentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on clivecentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. Cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it. Isn't it so great to wake up on a Monday morning and SA Rugby is not looking terrible for once? Super Rugby wins. The Blitzbox win again. That's four out of five titles. Absolutely incredible. Wow, wow, wow. What a great team. What a great team. Mark Ronson's heavy and rolling kicking us off this week. It's such an exciting week. We're into March. The sun is shining here in Johannesburg. What a beautiful time to be a sports fan. I'm not just saying it to really just pad for time. It really is. There's so much cricket on the go right now. Golf was amazing over the weekend. It really was. And the rugby. Sweet, sweet super rugby, which kind of is super again. I know none of the SA teams have played a New Zealand team just yet, so maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here. But yeah, good wins, huh? Good wins, good rugby, an exciting time throughout. Thanks for joining me again. I know you have many choices of podcasts to download with your bandwidth or your internet, whatever it is. Uh, many things to do on a Monday morning. But if you are literally so bad at your job right now that you're taking an hour to listen to me, I do appreciate it. I thank you immensely. Um, as a return, I've got a great show for you. I've got all the big recaps from the weekend with some clips here and there, a couple of sporting theories. And then Dennis Friedman, the, um, wow, every time I speak to Dennis, I mean, obviously I try to break it up over certain intervals. The guy just becomes a bigger and bigger thing on the internet. He also becomes a bigger and bigger dick for most people because Dennis does have his haters. But if you're ever going to do anything worthwhile on the internet, people are going to hate you. So maybe that's just testament to how big a deal Dennis has become over this over the months since we last chatted to him. We're going to talk to him about all things happening right now in India versus Australia. What a great test series that is becoming. Uh, all the things happening with the Pakistan T20 League. Yep, cricket is going back to Pakistan slowly but surely, and hopefully it can go back and stay on an international level. And as always, Dennis always has so many great stories a tremendous guy tattoo about cricket great track so this is it Monday it is the 6th of March if you are listening to this well not live if you're on the podcast let's get into it huh? great weekend of Super Rugby as I said uh, some really good results and some Big thrashings and a couple of upsets. Now, I say a couple of upsets because, well, 
as you know, I'm playing Superbrew and I'm really, really into it at the moment. Uh, if you go onto Superbrew and you are playing in the bounce pool, uh, congrats to Baku. He's still very much on top there, but Monty's come flying up. He's got the yellow cap this week. So good on you guys. Uh, it's a really great competitive pool. This I thought it did okay. I ended up dropping 60 places. So <laughs> it just shows if I make the top 100 in this, I'm going to be very chuffed with myself. So I started the weekend thinking this is going to be a relatively straightforward weekend as Super Rugby weekends go, which basically, as you know, that never happens. And, uh, I started off with a bit of an upset. The force beating the Reds 26-19. Now, the Force showed against the Sharks. They definitely got some frailties in there and uh, away in Perth. Now, apparently, the Force hadn't won there in literally about like, two years. I had no idea. I mean, it just shows that whenever Aussie derbies come on TV, we generally, as South Africans, stop watching because it's not really a big deal. Uh, yeah, so it didn't go so well for the Force recently, but uh, 26-19, very, very good win there. And then Chiefs versus the Blues. That had all the makings for match of the weekend. We've got a Chiefs side that have become more and more clinical each season without ever sacrificing their their hunger for fantastic, exciting running rugby. It's all looking good through the first half. And then Stephen Luatua, well, if he didn't get a bum funnel after this and the rest of his mates, then he never will do. Just stupid, careless, high shot off the ball. Um, Somebody was running a line. Of course, he was a dummy runner. Stephen thought, screw it, I'm here. I'm going to raise my shoulder and just try blixing the crap out of him. And uh, with that, he got a straight red card. So that means the Blues had to play, well the entire second half and a little bit of the right at the end of the first half with uh, 14 men. Now, you can't do that against good teams. They're probably going to lose against uh, the Chiefs with all players in the field. They ended up getting hammered 41-26. Uh, they made a bit of a late charge towards the end, but 41-26, absolute hammering. So Chiefs with a bonus point win there. And, uh, you know, we spoke about this before the season started, that the referees are going to become very, very strict on the high tackles and the shots to the head. And when they're late and as cynical as they were uh, in Luatua's case, well, no wonder he was given a four-match ban. Now, for a New Zealand rugby player to be given a four-match ban, I mean, it's close to murder, basically. Those are the kind of bans that happen to SRG players quite a lot, but uh, for a Kiwi to get that just shows how strict they are about this whole thing. Hurricanes, well, they scored 83 points last week. They scored 71 this week. They absolutely killed the Rebels, 71-6. I know it's early season, and uh, Sam Wolves and Rebels are two pretty shy sides, but uh, cheapers, defending champs are looking pretty, pretty solid. Then it was the Highlanders versus Crusaders. If the Chiefs' Blues were going to disappoint, well, this game could also be the match of the weekend. And uh, what a game it was. Highlanders got off to a big lead. They really were. At times in the second half, they were looking dominant for a big, big win. And then the Crusaders came back um, through players that I've never heard of. And that's one thing about this Crusaders team is that they've got a great sort of um, unity they've always had. They can interchange players quite easily. Uh, some of their stars only play half the competition. And jeepers, they're, they're back. I had no idea who half those players were. And uh, they scored a try right at the death. So 30-27. Which led us to the Brumbies versus the Sharks. Now, again, the Brumbies are pretty much favourites to win this one. The Sharks hadn't really done enough against the Reds to to give us an indication they were going to be all right. Uh, and then the Brumbies started bloody well. But then it got down to the siren, right? 80 minutes. 22 all. What was what's going on there? Um, hang on a second, Mark Ronson, you're done. I can cancel you. So 22 all, 82 minutes, and uh, sorry, on the, on the actual time of 80 minutes and this happened which gives me hope that maybe just maybe maybe this could be a turnaround these kind of games the Sharks lose right most African teams lose but here we are with a daring try right of the death 
Lambie willing his team forward to get within range. And this is good work. Boss in field it goes. They pick it up. And it is a try. A try to the Sharks. Look, Henyo and has stolen it at the death. Incredible seeds for the Sharks players. Off his right foot. Fullback, started fullback last week. Hasn't got a left boot, doesn't matter, off the right, inside of the right boot, and Am, just perfect timing. What a heartbreaking end for the Brumbies. It was Am who threw that ball and got it back via the boot of Bosch, chased it through, bounced perfectly. Oh my goodness. What a win to the Sharks. What a win indeed, because they only have the two games away in Australia, right? We mentioned this prior to the things kicking off. So just the Australasian, Australasian uh, tour is now done because they don't play any New Zealand teams whatsoever. So they managed to come away with some points there, which is very good. Uh, go Sharks, go. Cohen Bosch there with the, well, let's just let's call it what it is. It was a very, very lucky try. He kicked it inside because there was no way he was going to keep it in play. He had the fullback and wing closing in on him. Two much bigger gentlemen. And uh, he thought, screw it, put it on the boots. And the bounce favoured them, and then that was it. The Sharks win. So good on you, Sharks. Good on you, Sharks. They've got that favourable fixture list, and all they needed was a half-decent start. Half-decent start they've got. Then it was over to Singapore, where the Sunwolves were hosting the Kings. Now, I um, I learned last week that I think the Sunwolves preseason was about 17 days. Uh, Shark from Yellow Cap. He uh, informed me of this. 17 days, roughly. Let's just call it three weeks. Let's just say the Sunwolves came together for three weeks of preseason training. What on earth can you do in three weeks other than get to know some of the guys' first names? Your conditioning is going to be off. But bollocks a strategy because you need actual games to implement that preseason. Because all these teams play preseason matches and they play them against the guys they're playing in the tournament against. And uh, I didn't really hear anything about the Sunwolves, but then again, I just thought maybe the media wasn't covering it because they were covering the big teams. Well, they were absolutely hammered in that first game against the Hurricanes. They're running out against the Kings over the weekend. The Kings look like a solid, solid team, and we just know that isn't the case. 37-22, the Kings get a win. And uh, that that was a really, really cool story. Then it was down to the games in South Africa, and the Lions hosted the Waratahs. Lions very, very sketchy in that first round uh, against the Cheetahs. They did come away as winners, but they didn't really look like the team of last year. Well, first half against the Waratahs, it was back to business. I think they ran in uh, four, four, sorry, four or five tries. I forget now. Um, and the first half, Waratahs came back a bit, but then the game was over at halftime, really. 55-36, to 36, commanding, exciting, dominant performance by the Lions, which then goes on to the Stormers versus the Jaguars. And uh, whenever the Jaguars play, well, you know this is going to happen. You know, surely Yakupepa's going to go to the pocket now. And he's incurred the wrath of Yakupepa's tongue and found himself spending 10 minutes in the bump. Yep. It was 2018 to the Stormers and then the Jaguars. Well, customary, out comes a card. So then it was 15 against 14. Stormers breathed a little easier. Numerical advantage. And what the Jaguars did it again. A cynical tap down. But it's cynical to kill advantage. I'm going to say no. And that, this is carbon copy. Well, what happened last week in Portland? <laughs> oh, these guys. I mean, it's it's so cool when you see certain things you can laugh at in sport because it's so predictable. There's, thankfully, there's few predictable things in sport, but the Jaguar is. And the funny thing is, this year they went from orange jerseys to yellow jerseys. I don't know if that's a good thing. It's like a 
positive reinforcement, I think it is, when you literally are just basically um, showcasing what's what's to come. So they were down to 13 men. They still managed to actually score a try with uh, the numerical disadvantage. But uh, the Stormers, they weren't as good as they were against the Bulls. That was always going to happen because it's a big thing to lift yourself like that. Still good enough, though, for 32 25 win over the Shakiwadis. And something about the Stormers, uh, some people are saying obviously they weren't as intense as they were against the Bulls, and that's going to be understandable. But there's like a new kind of wave about how they play rugby. I know they're still kicking the ball here and there, but there is a real intent to keep the ball alive. It really is quite something to see. And I mean, I've been a long-suffering Stormers fan, right? I know how these guys play because I've been shouting at the TV for years. It's kind of exciting. It might not be the best thing. It might not get them big wins this season, but at least they're showing an appetite to change, an appetite to turn things around. So you got to commend Robbie Fleck and his team there. And if they keep going like this, there's two wins in a row. And I don't want to jinx it. Trust me, all my limbs are on wood right now. Two weeks in, and the Stormers still had their first choice fly off. Normally what happens is that they end the season with the fourth choice fly off or a guy that's just worst playing scrum off and then play fly off. But they've still got first choice players. I know Damon Allen has gone down. Um, Chelsea Colby had to limp off over the weekend. Not too sure by his injury just yet. But if they can keep the injuries at a low, this could be a good season. Then it was down to the Cheetahs versus the Bulls. Final match. And, uh, I think everyone predicted the Bulls after their showing against the Stormers weren't going to have enough against the Cheetahs. And they didn't. 34-28. Again, it was a very flattering scoreline for the Bulls there, just like last week. They scored some late tries, but the contest was over quite quickly, actually. Well, not quite over quite quickly, but well within the 80 minutes. So that's Super Rugby. No point looking at the logs just yet. Uh, mostly because there's about six different logs. And then I have to explain what it all means. And I've just spoken way too much about rugby. So, Let's actually just finish off with the big result from the weekend, of course, was the Blitzbox. Now, after their last win in Sydney, okay, which was then their third win in four tournaments, they'd say goodbye to World's Sevens Player of the Year, Sibylla Snutler, their highest try scorer of all time, and Quacker Smith, who was very much the donkey in that team. Not because, I'm not saying in a, in a negative sense, he does a lot of the donkey work that you don't see in a lot of teams. That's the great thing about this uh, Blitzbox team, is that they can win ugly and they can win pretty, because they know exactly what to do, whether it be in the tight exchanges, of which there are very few in sevens, but still dominate every single aspect if you want to be a good team. And, uh, well, they can throw it around, as we all know. They blew away Canada, France, and Wales in the opening preliminary stages of the Las Vegas Sevens. And then they had it quite tough in the playoffs. Uh, 17-14, they edged Australia, and then 2017, they edged USA. But all that counts, they got into the final again versus Fiji, who pretty much are the only ones chasing with any intent right now. And the Blitzbox did it again. They beat Fiji 19-12. This is all looking so good. And I tell you what's going to be the big, the big decider here is the Hong Kong Sevens coming up shortly. Blitzbox had never won the Hong Kong Sevens. That's quite something because they've been a prolific team. They've been a great team. They've been there, thereabouts for so long. Never won Hong Kong. Again, don't want to jinx it, but uh, this is looking very, very good. They're now at 24 points clear on the world standings. That is, that's ginormous. It really is. There's been, there's been uh, five tournaments so far this season. They've won four out of five. Just that little <clears throat> annoying loss to England in Cape Town, which they should have won. But hey, no, no point dwelling on the past. Let's go through the future. Las Vegas Sevens winners, the Blitzbox. It was a huge, 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 huge weekend of football. Uh, wow. We had, uh, some amazing locals, um, just tap on the, the PSL first up. Cape Town City, as you know, have a great season so far. They've really gone from strength to strength. They've got the Nedbank Cup, which is theirs. Um, no wait, it wasn't their Bank Cup. Ah, I've, I've screwed that up. It was, um, 
Oh, MTN8. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> Telecom knockout. Sorry, I didn't, didn't think about that. Anyway, they've got a trophy. And uh, they're now doing very well in the league. Now, they obviously played a lot more than their chasing play, uh, chasing teams. Them and Super Sport United didn't have any sort of African commitment. So they've had been there, they're about to the top for quite some time now. But the big test was against Sundowns on Friday. And uh, everyone's saying, you know, you're nothing in the league until you can beat Sundowns. Cape Town City did it, did it, and they were full value for it. 1-0, they beat Sundowns. Other results from the weekends, Platinum Stars beat Chipper United 2-1. Vitz beat Celtic 3-1. Chiefs versus Pirates, the big Soweto drawby. Well, we all knew that was going to happen, right? I mean, it's always a draw. Always, always. To the point where it's, it's just becoming absolutely laughable now. But it came down, I mean, the Chiefs, firstly, they scored, and then they scored an own goal, okay? So it was 1-1. And they had the most prime, prime, prime opportunities to actually get a result. And then they had a penalty. I mean, I, I don't know how better opportunities you wanted to win a game. And a penalty is what they got. And this is how it happened. What an absolutely piss poor, terrible penalty. Oh, I, 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 I never get this, right? Like, if you're Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you're Messi or Ronaldo, you've got an understanding of what the keeper's doing and you've, you're a proven finisher. But you watch these penalties in the PSL. And again, I'm going to target Pirates versus Chiefs because these games are seldom won. They're always drawn and penalties get missed. I mean, these guys are horrendous. All you had to do was just bang at top left corner. Just take the dart out of it. No, try go for the cool, calm, collected, straight down the middle dab. It didn't work. The keeper basically just fell on his ass. The ball hit his legs. It was a fitting end to ultimately what's become a really shite contest. So disappointing. So disappointing. But you know, just to kind of end end that, let's get the thoughts of Steve Compeller, who basically, <laughs> his thoughts are always quite colorful. But even this game was so boring that Steve just sounded like any old kind of guy. We could have won this match. One has to be very honest. And in as much as there were a couple of threats, Pirates sat and they were looking to hit us on a transition. A couple of times they missed us. We just needed to have a good defensive balance while in attack. There were stages where we lacked respect in such incidents. With regards to the outcome of the match, we performed well. We showed that we wanted to win the match. But I thought we lacked a bit of killer instinct. Uh, the penalty that we got, you have only five minutes to go. That you must take. But players do miss penalties. Just that he's missing it at the wrong time. And you're going home 1-1. Are you happy with the result? You can't be happy because this was one that you should have won. And not just out of your wishes. There were scenarios and situations where you could have taken it. I think it is time to realize that when you're fighting for three points, fighting for your life, wanting to win the championship, chances like these you must take. It was rather a soft goal to concede. Yeah, I thought it was soft. Diagonal balls are a nightmare to any fullback. You can go back in history, look at international level, even in South Africa here. Any ball played between the fullback and the center back on that particular side is a challenge. I thought he too hesitated maybe to come out. He could have saved the situation. 
Loch was also lucky that he dropped the ball between the legs and for whatever reason it slipped in. But these are things that happen in football that you have to live with. It's a pity and a penalty, take that. Thank you so much, Coach Steve. I, I, you know what? I, I was listening to that. All, all I want to do in life is just have Steve Compeller recap things that happened in my life. So if I've gone shopping and I come home, I want him to go through the contents of my shop. If something happens at home, whatever, I want him to talk it. This guy, he can talk through anything. I mean, <laughs> he just got such a funny way about him. The outcome of the match. We performed well. We showed that we wanted to win the match. But I thought we lacked a bit of killer instinct. <laughs> I love that dude. So it was 1-1 in the Soweto Drawby. And, uh, well, neither of those teams are going to win the league, let's be honest, because Fitz, they beat Celtic 3-1. And uh, Supersport United, they drew with Ajax. Unfortunately, they dropped points there. Um, lesser teams, who really cares? Uh, it's just battle survival for Barocca and Highlands Park. But at least Highlands Park did win over the weekend. But just to look at the log of the episode Premiership right now. So Cape Town City at the top. They've played 20 matches, though. Bear that in mind all the time. They do have more games than the others. So they're on 38 points and 20 matches. Matches. Fitz, 18 matches, 37 points, so just one back there. Supersport United, 19 matches, 36 points. And then we've got Chiefs on 20. They've got 35. Now, Sundowns, this makes up the top five because it's only going down to the top five. Sundowns have played 16 matches and they've got 33 points. So they're only five behind Cape Town City and they've got four games in hand. So obviously it's going to go down to the wire. Um, Sundowns always have other commitments and other distractions. So Cape Town City, they don't. They might do okay in the Nibank Cup, which I think is already finished, but I'm sure it's still on the go. Uh, so, yeah, that's the local stuff. Into the international stuff, and when I mean international stuff, obviously I mean English Premier League. Well, 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 well. Let me guess. Um, you want to know what's happening with Arsenal, right? For what? For shambles. It's a fucking shambles, Robbie. I've had it. Time is, time is enough. It's no good saying that. It's no good... <laughs> yep, nothing's changed. Arsenal are losing. They lost to Liverpool, and um, you know Liverpool, they the Robin Hood of football teams in England. They steal from the rich and they give to the poor. They're, they're so good against the top six, but so poor against the lesser teams. And three-one. Uh, and uh, Alexis Sanchez did not start for Arsenal, and uh, rumours are speculating that he had a bit of a bust-up with fellow players after walking out of training last week. But jeepers, what a week for Arsenal. So they've just lost here, okay? And of course, the fans are irate. I mean, look. He's lost the dressing room. And they're still going there. Claude's now shaved his head. He looks... Tyus delusional. Oh, it's just such a mess. <laughs> such a mess. Arsenal now, they've lost that, okay? It's not even... We knew they're never going to win this league. Now top four is looking out of the question. Now, I know I'm an old romantic and I think things could still happen, but this week they've got to play Bayern Munich, right, at home. They're already 5-1 down in that tie. They then got to play Lincoln City in the FA Cup on Saturday. Okay, obviously they're going to lose against Bayern, right? But can you imagine if they lose to Lincoln City? Or, okay, let's just say they draw at home to Lincoln City. How embarrassing that would be. And then Wenger can't actually stay on. He just simply can't stay on. Arsenal right now are fifth in the log. They are 13 points behind Chelsea, and Chelsea play tonight against West Ham. Spurs, though, it is going well for Spurs. They won over the weekend. They beat Everton 3-2, and beating Everton right now is a big deal. So good on them, 3-2. They're now second. They are seven points behind, but again, the Chelsea do have the chance to get three more points this weekend. And then Man City, they also won over the weekend. Uh, good for them. So if you look at the log, Chelsea on top there, then Spurs second. Liverpool now up to third. Man City in fourth. And then Arsenal fifth. Man United dropped points against Bournemouth. They had a draw there, so they're one point behind Arsenal in sixth. 
Yo, those, I mean, it must be so difficult. Here, let's get back to those guys. <laughs> Arsenal fan TV, it's not changing, is it? I mean, you can see how irate these guys are. But what I would say about Arsenal fan TV, guys. To me, you should go tomorrow morning. Why don't they just stop watching these games? I mean, I know England's all about the drama, right? Because historically, after inventing all the sports, they were completely crap at them. So all the drama and all the hysterics and the shouting and the screaming and all the fan stuff. That's just like the sideshow has become the real show. But if any one of those guys that appear on Arsenal fan TV, why don't you just not go? And why don't all Arsenal fans just do something different than just shout, Wenger out, Wenger out, all that kind of crap. Stop going to the games. Claude made a good point there that the board is only interested in the fans' money. Okay, well, stop giving them your money. How about that? It's quite simple to me. I mean... <laughs> doesn't take a lot to work that one out. In other football news, well, yeah, it's the Champions League this coming uh, week. Again, I just want to bring up to your attention first, though, the FA Cup this weekend. So Saturday, we'll see Man City versus Middlesbrough. First game, SA time, quarter past two. Then we've got Arsenal versus Lincoln, 7.30. Sunday, we'll see Spurs versus Millwall. That'll be at four o'clock. And then Monday... Uh, which will be March 13th. It'll be Chelsea versus Man United. Great weekend of football ahead. And then there's the Champions League, which is hugely exciting. Arsenal on their way out. Um, they play Bayern Munich. Tuesday night, 9.45. SA time. Napoli will take on Real Madrid. And then on Wednesday, we'll see Barcelona versus PSG. Now, Barcelona also took a massive decking in their first round. So they've got four goals to try to recoup there somehow. And then Borussia Dortmund will take on Benfica. So that was your rugby. That was your football cricket-wise. Well, we'll touch on more when we chat to Dennis. We're going to cross Dennis in about five minutes. Uh, just touching on the golf first, though. Interesting that it was in Mexico over the weekend. Not so much interesting that Mexico can't host a golf tournament, obviously. So it was at Trump Dorel. And, uh, well, it got rescheduled and taken away from Trump course to go to Mexico, which meant that, well, in the beginning of the week, a couple of the players were battling with the violent shits, players and caddies. Talked about this earlier, Bones, maybe not feeling so good. The hobbling is because of the double knee replacement, but uh, Bones wondering about it and then saying, no, I, I can't go. Some stomach issues, not feeling up to it. Thankfully, Tim Mickelson, who was out there following John Rahm, he is John Rahm's agent, to the rescue. You see the family resemblance? Tim saying, what, what do you got in this? <laughs> Roy McIlroy went into the week uh, damaging the Dalton and he was okay he managed to bounce back but Phil's caddy during the round he's like mm, can't do this so his brother was uh, yeah he was there thereabouts picked up the bag and on they went Hendricks didn't send to pull out as well so you know when you go to third world country this does happen from time to time but it was a great tournament a really really amazing golf course Dustin Johnson the big winner there uh, which is really great for him because he's the world, world number one and although in my eyes he'll always be the Bradley Cooper character from um uh, wedding crashes. This guy is the real deal. Uh, he's got his gang together and he just overpowered the place. So it was done at altitude. So there was lots of big, big balls getting hit, but you had to shape it around trees and it was a nice old school course. Really, really good thing that. And they should play it more like this. They should make golf more international through the US PGA Tour. And I don't know if plans are afoot for this to happen. Finally, Dean Burmester, he won the Pretoria, sorry, he won the Twana Open at the Pretoria Country Club. That is his first European Tour title. I think it's something ridiculous. Like his last 23 and last 24 rounds of the European Tour have all been under par. Serious, serious talent. This is a guy who somehow managed to make it into the top 100 in the world despite 
despite playing in no big events whatsoever, all just you know racking up points in the in the local um, tournaments. But now with his first European tour win, it is such a big step up for this guy, and he's just so huge talented. Bombs the ball off the tee, such a likable guy, and now a European tour winner. Simple as that, Ham. Good practice, hard work, all that kind of stuff gets into becoming amazing. Speaking of amazing, we're about to chat to Dennis Friedman from Australia. Now, Dennis, uh, of course, is a very vocal person when it comes to the world of online uh, cricket, um, mostly because he knows what he's talking about. Now, a lot of people, they are quite hesitant about throwing opinions out there. Dennis isn't, as you know. He's got uh, balls of brass, really. But he also writes really good articles. He writes internationally. Um, a newspaper in Pakistan actually f- have these huge uh, features on him. Well, not on him, but that he's written. And he's just one of those guys that can cut through all the crap and basically provide for you all the information you need. So just to kind of intro him, this is the big moment that Nathan Lyon got eight wickets. It's all over. Eight wickets for Nathan Lyon. Once again, the execution has just been perfect. He's made all the batsmen play. He's pitched the ball full outside off. And the men in close have done a great job for him. Look at that smile. He knows. He's worked exceptionally hard to not only be on this tour. And lead. Dennis, in your entire life, would you ever have seen the moments where Nathan Lyon gets eight for 50? I can't believe it's taken this long, Ben, to be honest. India rolled out for 189. Now, just when you were coming to grips with the fact that O'Keefe can also get lots of wickets, Nathan Lyon, 8 for 50. What was what was Shane Warne's best? There's nothing on that, was uh, it? Sh- yeah, no, Shane Warne's best was 8 for 71 um, in his whole career anywhere. So, um, yeah, Nathan Lyon truly is the GOAT. He really is. And people are really using this this phrase all the time now. It's not just you. He really is just, he's come on. Here's a guy that, I, like, for me, he was always, he was there because there was no one better. I mean, if he was in the McGill Warren era, I mean, he would be carrying drinks for lesser teams. But here he is and taking his chance. And uh, I think that the main reason I want to talk to you today is because India have been so dominant at home. I mean, for the last three years, they've only played West Indies away. Otherwise, everyone's been thrown through the ringer of Indian cricket. But your boys got there, and, uh, well, they're giving them a good thrashing, basically. Oh, I can't explain it, mate. Um, I don't think anybody here tipped them to do this well. I don't think anybody on your side of the world tipped them to do this well. No. Um, I don't even think the most pessimistic Indian fan would have thought that Australia would have done this. I mean, who tips Stephen O'Keefe to, to be a match winner and take 12 wickets? Just bowling nude balls against the Indian much. batting line. I mean, I, I haven't seen I haven't seen someone bamboozling with the straighter one since the one innings that Paul Harris was effective. It, it's just. I was about to say it's a it's Paul Harris esque. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just got Jadeja out, so India are currently 120 for four. They, oh, have they? They, they, they lead by 33, and in the first test. Who got him? Uh, Hazelwood. Yeah, yeah, so he, so he's gone. That, that first test for me was really, really funny because Australia did what every other team's done in that first innings. They made a decent kind of start. One of the batsmen got the shits, and then ultimately they get out for less than three hundred. <laughs> and you think, okay, we all know what's going to happen here. Jadeja, Ashwin, twenty wickets. Then it's going to be on to the next thing. And uh, well, yeah. they were just rolled. Now the first thing that comes to mind is we've seen it in the ODIs quite a lot with India. Take away Kohli. And they're pretty bloody average. 
um, oh, look, they've got some talent. And um, look, I've just hidden in the kids' bedroom while the TV's watching the cricket, so they have to keep me updated. Otherwise, it'd be too noisy outside. So. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, look, Coley's obviously a superstar. He's one of the the uh, best four batsmen on the planet at the moment with Williamson, Smith, and Root. But um, look, there is some talent in that batting lineup. Pajara at three is a superstar. Um, probably having a little bad run at the moment, but no one's at the top of the game all the time. But do you, but do you think um, that Pajara, Pajara doesn't fire when Coley doesn't fire? Because you, we've seen them go hand in hand with these big innings against lesser teams like England. And suddenly Pajara's now got to beat that guy. There is no lesser team than England, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, Pajara's there. Rahul's uh, shown a bit as an opener, and he's he, you know he's made some runs again in this test. He's made yeah. uh, oh, what, 90, ninety in the first innings, and then fifty here. Yeah, yeah, correct. So he can obviously bat, and then you've got Jadeja and Ashwin in the middle order. Um, you know, and, and they're true batting all batting all rounders. They can both um, hold the bat. Uh, here's a fun fact for you: Ben Jadeja's made more first-class triple hundreds than Sachin Tendulkar. Well, um, of course. <laughs> Hasn't everybody? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, they got to look. They have a side, and, and and the reality is, England played four tests there not long back, a few months ago, and twice England put four hundred runs on the board, and twice they got beaten by an inning. So India can obviously bat, um, but the difference is clearly that uh, when they're playing England, they're facing Mo and Ali, and now when they're playing Australia, it's Stephen O'Keefe, and there's just such a quality gap there. Clearly, we all knew that. <laughs> It really is quite strange because prior to this series, nobody, like you said, nobody was even throwing this around as like a joke. I mean, we didn't even we didn't even hear Dan, your your mate Dan from Australia, either <laughs> throwing out the cheeky, "Well, Australia's going to whitewash this." It, it's just so yeah, unexpected. Nothing. So another thing to look at is, of course, Ishan Sharma. He still gets the nod. Mm. Um, is it, do you think it's mostly the conditions that India just keep going back to? You know, the dry, dusties mean that they're never going to really produce a quality. Seema, because they, this test also kind of shows that maybe you need a bit more of a balance than just relying on those two to spin it all the time. I think he's living off um, Lords 2014. I don't know if you remember back that far, but he was he bowled India to their only win ever against England. Yeah, I, re- um, I remember it clearly. You, you were calling him Mitchan Sharma. Yeah, correct. And 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 if um, <laughs> he destroyed England that day, and and, and I, apart from that match, I can't remember the last time. Maybe back to Kapil Dev days when an Indian seamer's actually won India a test anywhere, and maybe he's still living off the ghost of that. But then the other theory is, of course, that Australia's playing Mitch Marsh, and and you need some someone to um, match up against Mitch Marsh. And Ishan Sharma's clearly that bloke. Mm. And uh, you know, Ishan caught Mitch in the first innings this test with a beautiful LBW. Mitch made a duck off eleven balls, and then bowled uh, before that had bowled two overs for two runs, and it's been an amazing effort by Mitch to. Uh, sort of impact the game like this. Now, what makes the, the Aussie success right now even more impressive is that it's still not, they refuse to play their best team. Now, I, I saw on, on Twitter over the weekend, you said, just put, um, it's a straight swap, really. Kawaja comes in, everyone just yep. drops one from there, and it's a pretty solid lineup. Yep. Do you think it's almost like, um, <laughs> obviously I don't want to say it's a piss take, but there, there isn't a single reason that Mitch Marsh is in this team, right? Now, are they just saving? Not, yeah. are, are, are they doing this like a Lamar's kind of marathon that they're going to have the best team for last two tests just to kind of you know bring it home? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The thing about India is there's this sort of fallacy that if and England did the same. They took four part-time spinners 
well, I took Adil Rashid. So I took one spinner and three part-timers essentially and said, if we bring all the spinners we can find on the island, we'll, we'll have a chance to win. Now, the reality is cricket matches aren't win by, won by part-timers. They're won by the best bowlers. And, and the best bowlers will work out the conditions. And if you look at what's going on now, Hazelwood's just taken three wickets in his second innings on a dying deck. Yeah. Um, to have India for far. And um, Mitch Stark was our best performer when we played in Sri Lanka. And Jackson Bird's just come off a great summer and hasn't been picked ahead of these other two spinners, Lyon and O'Keefe. Now, they've got lucky with O'Keefe. There's no way in hell he's ever going to take a 10 for again in his career. Um, he won't even take a three for in a, in a, in a match, right? <laughs> Um, you've got to pick your best four bowlers, and I think you've got to pick your best six batsmen and, a, and, and your best keeper, and Australia hasn't done any of that. Mm. They've picked their second best keeper. They've picked five batsmen and an all-rounder who's a bowling all-rounder who bowls two overs and in innings at the moment. Um, so explain that one to me. And um, all right, they've got, as I said, they've got lucky with O'Keefe, but I just think if you pick your best bowlers and your best, best batsmen, irrespective of the conditions, they'll work it out. Yeah, um, and it's your best chance to win in India. I think Australia's getting a little bit lucky. Obviously, in the first test where they keep stepping up, this test um, uh, they've they've bowled pretty well again. India's yet to pass two hundred out of the three innings that they've played so far, and and they're looking like they're not going to get into this fourth innings. Um, and if you can't pass two hundred, you're, you're not much of a chance to win when uh, Australia's got Warner Smith in the lineup. Hands can combat, and Renshaw, who's just come out of nowhere last summer, is. Um, is proving uh, how handy he can be at the top of the order as well. So you only need someone like a Stark or a Wade did a, a little sneaky 30 or 40, and all of a sudden you've got the opposition on the ropes. 200 runs and in innings is not enough. Yeah, exactly. On that Renshaw, he must be the most British-looking person I've seen since Marcus <laughs> Triscothic, though. I mean, he, he's, uh, he, so, he really is. Did, yeah, we, it's not odd for Well, you, he was born you, in Yorkshire, right? Yeah. He was born in Yorkshire, so we've... <laughs> We've, we've, we, I think Australia did well in the trade of Sam Robson for uh, Renshaw. <laughs> I think we did well in that one. He he bats slow. Um, he's yeah. very he's very deliberate with his movements. He seems quite clean cut, and he's got a lovely smile. He's got no place in this Aussie team. <laughs> well, he has. They've been sledging him. They sledged the hell out of him in his first innings, and they just smiled back. And in the press conference, he said, "As the more they sledged, the more I smiled because the more they got riled up." Mm. So. Um, it's not your classic Australian sledge, but he's got his own way of going about it, hasn't he? And he's, look, he's got a he's got a little bit of Alistair Cook about him, which I hate to say, but yeah, uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that hangs around for ten or twelve years, averages forty five to fifty as an opener, and just pisses a lot of teams off because he'll hang around for three hundred balls and make one hundred and ten, well, and uh, he'll probably probably break the world record for the amount of times carried his bat the way he's going at the moment. Exactly, and uh, that's exactly what you need because that's what test cricket is. It's about testing your position. You don't always test them with amazing play. You test them all kinds of things. One of the tests that came out, I believe, over the weekend was that Coley was coming across as a bit of a petulant brat. It's like he's had things his own way. Of course, he's a god in yeah. India. And uh, suddenly, catches going down in the slips. I mean, I think Renshaw wasn't even trying to cover drive through the covers. He was trying to cover drive between second and third slip. And uh, <laughs> you, you could just see, I mean, like, you've got to think, the great teams are led by great leaders, right? We saw it with Graham Smith. We saw it with Steve Waugh, punting. Uh, now with Fafti yeah. Plessis, obviously. Do you think Coley's really going to stand up as a leader going forward when things clear right now? He's showing some colours when things aren't going his way. I just want to correct you on the Faf Duplessis thing being a great leader, mate. Uh, I think you tremendous <laughs> leader. Give an inch, take a mile. Incredible. Take, give an inch, take a mile on this one. <laughs> 
look, you got to remember what, what Coley before what was before Coley, and it was MS Donnie, and he was probably the worst uh, modern day tech tactician uh, captain probably he and Alistair Cook fighting that out for that position and um, I don't mind Colin I don't mind him um, showing a bit of emotion out there you know you, there's not many Indians in the history of Indian cricket that have actually had enough gall to stand up and you could say could easily yeah. play for South Africa or Australia culturally and there's if you go back there's probably Saurav Ganguly and there's Coley there's maybe Sri Santh um, and that's about it and um, you know every time Coley's been under pressure Oh, sorry. Most times he's been under pressure. He's come through. We remember his first game as, as skipper was the the Adelaide Test match of 2014-15 when um, the match got delayed because Phil Hughes unfortunately passed. And the guy yeah. came out in his first test after all that stuff and, and made 100 in both innings. Um, he, he probably only really failed his, his tour of England. Uh, what was that, two years ago where he, I don't know, he averaged eight or something. Um, and got towed up, and then he's struggling a little bit here. But uh, you know, in the scheme of things, he, he goes pretty well. And um, it's not his fault that in, in India's playing 15 tests or something in a row in India. Yeah, he can only he can only lead what what the BCCI set up for him, and uh, he's done a pretty good job. He's uh, helped Ashwin return to form and get him to the number one bowler in the world. He's got that Jadeja back in that side. Um, he doesn't use Ishan too much, which is, you know, great captaincy. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't mind him. I, I, I like the fact that he's got a little bit of aggro about him, and, and typically when the aggro is there, he fires up. Now, uh, whether the Australians have got under his skin or his teammates not performing has got under his skin in this in this current series, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll understand more as, as the series goes on. But uh, who else do you replace him with? <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, that's another great cause. Um Rohit Sharma never kicked on as a, as a cricketer or an Indian, I don't think. Um, and looking, but he was a very good, uh, very very good uh, competitive eater. <laughs> yeah, it's not often when you look through an entire team and you go, uh, "I've actually got no one." I've actually got no one. Like you can look through the Aussie team and perhaps say, "Okay, well that guy can come in, that guy can come in." Same with uh, the Proteus. But you know, you're right. He is. That's yeah. it. That's his lot in life. Before we run out of time, we need to get into um, the Pakistani T20 league. Uh, been a bit of a success oh, for yes, you, we do. or is it just another T20 league just been thrown to a different part of the world geographically? <laughs> well, I always love uh, a Pakistani uh, Super League being played in the uh, cricketing mecca of the UAE. But um, look, oh, I think the success of the PSL this time around is that they played the final in Lahore yesterday. Um, and, and most international fans probably would have missed it uh, unless it was on, I don't know, if it was on Star Sports for you guys or, or 10, well, I can't remember what bloody station you have down there. But um, no, we, we have Super Sports or we're doing things illegally. Super Sports, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. They're like most places, and, and uh, unless you're Pakistani, it probably would have slipped under the radar. But the fact that um, four or five foreign players went and played the final in, in Lahore at the uh, wonderfully named Colonel Gaddafi Stadium, who was, uh, in case you didn't know, was one of the founders of cricket in Libya, and uh, the, the fact that they've gone and played there, the fact that they've got the tournament final off without a hitch. Um, and, and the fact that that stadium was full, um, it's kind of reignited the debate about playing cricket in Pakistan. Yeah. Um, you might remember Zimbabwe played the, played an ODI series there last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and apart from a bomb going off in a market five k's down the road, nothing really happened. Uh, they, you know, the government's putting up 
uh, VIP security. They essentially pick you up from the airport, drive you in, a, in an army convoy to a hotel that you can't get within 15 miles of, take you to the game, you play and you fly out. So it's about as safe as it's going to get. It still wasn't safe enough for Luke Wright, though. No, yeah, but you know, the English are soft. Um, Owen Morgan didn't go to Bangladesh, and, and Alistair Cook decided to put playing test cricket ahead of staying with his newborn. They're just they got warped, uh, warped values, the English. But um, I, I just, I'm just i looking forward to this debate firing up, I'm, and I'm looking forward to someone sort of gritting their teeth and saying, no, I'm going to leave my team there. I'm, I'm happy with the security. Um, you know, we forget that bombs went off at the bloody Atlanta Olympics and bombs went off at the Boston Marathon. And yep. like, if people want to target you, they're going to target you. And at least playing cricket in Pakistan, you know you've got the best chance of survival when essentially you've got to go through three metal detectors. You've got to have a ticket. You've got to take your identity card. You can't get into the ground unless you've sort of gone through more security than going through LAX airport. Um and everything's protected. I, mean, I, just, I just think from, from that perspective, it was just a fantastic, fantastic uh, thing for cricket. Now, was the cricket actually any good in Dubai? Who watches T20s in Dubai? No one. But, no one. Um, I no think one. It's, it's, that's right. But it's, it's, much, it's a much bigger thing than that. And the fact that they had the nuts to take it through to Lahore and play the final there, I think that match now next year is probably the most anticipated match on the T20 calendar every year is, is the PSL final in Lahore just because it means so much to that country. And... Uh, 180 million uh, Pakistanis can't be wrong. Well, exactly. And many of which actually love you right now, don't they? Uh, little, little, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm playing up to that market, but, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I'm waiting for my uh, T-shirt from uh, Cold Zeros that says I'm big in Pakistan. <laughs> now, Dennis, before I let you go, I've got to say that uh, that podcast of yours, Combat Contro, which you can find here on cliffcentral.com if you just go into the, the various uh, shows. Uh, it's it's going yes. from strength to strength. And I'm not just saying it because you get really amazing guests. And I, I don't want to know how you stalk these people because whatever it is, it's working. But the, the chemistry between you and Katz and the other bit players here and there, it really is something that's just so enjoyable. Like I, I listen to a whole bunch of podcasts, mostly because um, I like listening to people who are cleverer than me. So I've got a my phone is, is stacked, stacked. And it's just how you guys go through um, issues is really, really fun. And it's the t- hardest thing in the world to make sport fun the whole time. I, sometimes I do okay. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm padding. With you guys, though, it really does feel like it's genuine and it's really, really good. And um, I've just got to say that on a, on a platform. I've got to declare the fact that I genuinely love the podcast. I think it's getting better and better. Thank you very much, Ben. And I've got to correct you. It's a, it's a live radio show, as is yours. Yeah. Uh, we just turn it into a podcast. <laughs> okay. See, there we go. I was so over, overdone by the whole podcast thing because that's the only, only way I can get to it. Yeah, so it's a live radio show uh, and, and, in Australia. So you're basically going into cars. That's when you know you're a big deal. Yeah, we are. We go live into every capital city of Australia, 7 p.m. Melbourne, Sydney time, every Tuesday night. And uh, then we turn into a podcast about an hour later. So the Can't Bowl, Can't Throw Cricket Show, download it from uh, or stream it on cliffcentral.com. You guys kindly carry the show for us. And if that all was a bit too hard and you're just used to iTunes, just search for the Can't Bowl, Can't Throw Cricket Show on iTunes and uh, leave us a review. Help us out. Help us out, please. And uh, the more people that leave reviews, the more likely it is to, to rate on the South African sporting iTunes uh, rankings, which is something that I've aspired to all my life, Ben. I know you have. Okay, before you go, who are the guests that you're looking to target uh, coming up? Who, who can we potentially look forward to hearing you assault verbally? Oh, look, he's uh, <laughs> a sneaky one. I think I may have Mitch Johnson uh, landed for tomorrow night and... Uh, 
if it comes through, he'll be playing against me in our favourite segment, which is Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grade Cricketer? Of which I've never won. But if I can't beat Mitch Johnson, I'm going to beat nobody. So, <laughs> every my life. So, we got Mitch. We had uh, Shree Santh on the other week to talk about his uh, yeah, lifelong ban. And I, I, I don't re- know if you heard that one, but I that really, was I really, really that. interesting. Yeah. Again, I think it's because you were able to give him a platform that he hasn't had yet. And that was the beauty of your show. You guys can do that. Yeah, I still, Inzamam still owes me one. Every time I've rung him, he's, the phone lines drop out in Pakistan. Um, so we've, we've had all kinds of funny things. I'm, I'm, if you can send me some uh, South African cricketers my way, I'd love to have a chat with Fani de Villiers. I think three years ago on your show, we, we had a wonderful chat about the BCCI changing uh, the program when they were coming to South Africa. I wouldn't mind having a chat with him again. So I'll leave that to you, Ben, to set that, set that one up. Okay, cool. I shall put it down as homework. Dennis, thank you so much for your time. Always appreciate it. And uh, may India keep seeing their ass against the Aussies. Uh, this is great entertainment for what? me. It really is. <laughs> What's the score? Uh, I just clicked off that now. Um, okay, well, I find that. How amazing are the proteas? It's not... Uh, uh, is- well, they're okay. I don't know about the captain. He's not quite a great yet. but uh, And he's also been uh, suspended for match uh, for ball tampering twice. So, you know, that's always a sign. A.B. De Villers has never, ever done anything dodgy with the ball. Uh, you said uh, we were talking about uh, Faf, weren't we? No, we're talking about the protest right now. They just beat New Zealand. Faf's the amazing oh, right. test. So you want to talk about that? that? You want to. You want to t- you want to talk about? Does anyone talk about ODIs apart from a World Cup year anymore? Yeah, is well, it, is it even a thing? I was trying to pull the screen up, so I thought I'd just fluff for time. There we go. Um, India currently one hundred twenty-two for four. How good was Martin Gupta? That was his third hundred and eighty score or more, and no one else has ever done that before in ODI. Yeah, and then he got four. So who cares about him? <laughs> Take that, Martin Gupta. <laughs> Show pony. Dennis, hey, I never asked you how come. I never asked you how come Imran Tahir didn't get drafted into the uh, IPO. What's wrong? Too good. He's just too good. There is there is a you're only allowed um, one overseas professional. That's incredible. And for some reason, he was overlooked by a whole bunch of other guys, yeah, some, some English guys. Now you know what it is. You know, like in fashion weeks, they go, "Oh, massive influence from Venezuela this time around." We're big in animal prints. That's what the IPL does. They go, "Oh, this year it's all about um, overrated English people." Go, oh, yeah, let's buy them. So then, all of a sudden, uh, Stokes gets lots of money, and some other guy who's I think bowled four ODI balls in his life. He also got lots of money. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was disappointed that that uh, Bahadine didn't get picked up either. That, that was. I was crying for a week. Yeah, I know. But like, you know, the, the, this is the whole thing about the, the global economy is that even the Indian teams realize you don't have to pay full money for drinks carriers. They can just get guys to actually carry it <laughs> for like minimum wage. Uh, I'll um, find you show. I've got to go, man. I've got, to watch, I've got to watch. Yeah, I've also got to go. The show's about to end. The live show, which then becomes a podcast just like yours. That's right. Very good. <laughs> I'm glad you're realizing what you've got on your hands. <laughs> Thanks, Dennis. Chesley, man. Have a good night. <laughs> Bye, mate. Have a good one. Bye. That's uh, Dennis. Catch him on Twitter, Dennis Cricket underscore. He's, yeah, he's always just so great and it's very entertaining. That's all the time we got for this week. Unfortunately, I did have other things, but as always, go on to thebounce.co.za and you can find the entire uh, podcast, the whole show, all that kind of stuff. If you are listening live, that'll take place this afternoon. If you are watch, listening as a podcast, you're probably on the page right now. But go on to the Bounce of today anyway. There's lots of good stuff for the last two weeks. I've been working pretty hard at that. Just trying to get, um, you know, get people coming back every single day for good quality, independent, individual content that is fresh and fun and fair and, yeah, those kind of things. Anyway, that's the show for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Dennis, our guest. And, uh, you know, Wrap it up with some of the weekend. Yeah, here we go. Catch you next week.
CliffCentral.com.